Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, welcome back to Vice and Easy. With you, as always, is your host, Marina. This week, we're going to be breaking down another Crockett relationship with Season 3, Episode 16, entitled Teresa. Now, the one-sentence guest star that we had last week in Helena Bottom Carter is back. Uh, so I could definitely tell they were trying to flesh out her character a little bit more in the previous episode. Now, also, I want to see how you guys feel when we get later on the episode. I think that they were trying to go for an actress from, not from America, I understand that, because some of the things, some of the plot points don't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't help that Helena Bottom Carter is very posh and very well off, so her accent doesn't really lend credence to some of the things that go on within the plot. Now, again, I'm no expert. I've been to London for two days, 15 years ago. But you know, sometimes I read the UK tabloids, so I know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I also love that they just found, like, the palest person ever who was incidentally, coincidentally British. We're like, ah, oh, you are going to be a heroin addict. <laughs> also, this is exactly what I was thinking. This is my, like, thought process throughout the entire episode. Hello, I'm a British person. <laughs> If you've never seen that, that's Malcolm McDowell introducing the origin story of Pip on South Park. (laughs) Oh my God, I just could not get that through this entire episode. Now, I have, I don't want to say it's a programming note, but I'm just giving you all a heads up. Thank you again. I do appreciate each and every one of you for listening, for leaving great reviews, for subscribing, for basically keeping this alive. I wouldn't be doing this if nobody was listening. So thank you to every one of you out there. Now, I am going through a lot of soul searching. I'm about to reach 10 years in Los Angeles, 10 years in America. And so I'm really trying to figure out what I want my life to look like. I came to America with a dream and I don't know if that dream has changed or just if I've changed. So there's a lot going on. So I decide I'm going to get in touch with my European roots and take August off. And I have not done that since 2016, where basically I took the weekdays off, only came back to work Saturday, Sunday, and then left again. Maybe I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, basically Monday to Thursday, every week in August, back in 2016, I was traveling. And I really enjoyed that. And I really want to not just get back to a work-life balance because I'm not working as much, but I do need to really figure out what I want my schedule to look like and what I want my weeks to look like. And I love the podcast. That's not going anywhere. We still got two more seasons, but I just really want to take time off. I didn't take a lot of time off last year. I got to watch everybody go to Europe last year while I couldn't. And I just really want to take some time. Um, It's not even really vacation. I just kind of want to relax and to rest and to really have my weeks to enjoy. Like every day this week, I've had something in addition to work and which is great, but I really need to 
stop using busyness as a crutch. And I do that a lot. And I don't know if it comes from a place of insecurity or I want to feel like I'm not a failure. So I always have to be busy. I always have to prove something to somebody and prove it to myself. So yeah, I'm just going to be taking August off. I'm going to be European. I'm just going to be smoking cigarettes and eating baguettes and losing weight. (laughs) You're not really showering, just going to the beach, maybe work one, two, half hour, you know, then have one, two cigarette and just enjoy my life. So I will try to have like little bonus episodes throughout in August. But yeah, August, I'm just going to embrace. And I hope you all too. I hope you all have a European August and just put down that phone, stop answering that email and yeah, just kind of like earn your paycheck because that's really the mood I'm in right now. And yeah, I'm just really struggling with what I want the next 10 years of my life to look like. I'm looking back in the last 10 years of what I want the next 10 years to look like, which is good. I think that that's good to kind of have a check-in and see where you progress. But now that I've talked your ear off, let's get to the episode. Let's get down to it. Season 3, episode 16, entitled Teresa. Teresa is... Crockett's girlfriend that we met for one sentence last week during Duty and Honor. Per IMDb, Crockett plans to marry his latest girlfriend, an ER doctor from the UK. However, she has a dark secret. A major drug dealer whom Sonny has recently busted uses it to both free himself and make Crockett look dirty. So we open the episode with Crockett and Tubbs doing a stakeout. Now, Teresa, the girl we met for one sentence last week, (laughs) you could definitely tell she was supposed to be like more of a multi-episode art character, but I guess uh, just two, spoiler alert, she doesn't come back. Now, Crockett and Tubbs are doing a stakeout and Crockett is on his car phone talking with Teresa while she's at work in the hospital. And he kind of jokes, oh, why can't I find a girlfriend with a normal job? Keep in mind, he marries Caitlin Davies in the span of one episode because she has weird work hours that work with his schedule. So (laughs) I don't know if he means that as like a compliment or he's just he doesn't want a girlfriend with a normal job because then they will never see each other. He had Caroline. That didn't work out. Oh, we do get a Caroline mention later on this episode. But we get to some cringy, oh no, you hang up, oh, that kind of stuff in this next clip. Hey, I miss you, dude. I miss you, dude, Anyhow, sleep tight. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. And Tubbs asked Crockett, like, why don't you just tell her that you're working? He's basically saying that, you know, she worries. He doesn't want to get her all riled up. And then he talks about how serious he is about Teresa in this next clip. Um, how expensive of a ring are you going to buy this lady? You know, my sensitive Gemini self can't handle too much more overtime. Oh, I'm just going to get her a decent ring, something that's uh, befitting her style and class and sophistication. It's not something that you would uh, know anything about. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would actually say that Tubbs is the classier one out of the two, but let's get into it. What are they surveying? So they're trying to catch this big wig in the drug world named Wyatt. Now, if you're not driving, please entertain me go to the gallery 
You can always see it in the description note of each and every episode. You can always see the link tree because we have the sexy sax man. Yes, I looked this up on IMDb and this is the sexy sax man in a snake print tank top that barely covers his nipples. Uh, Oh my God. A metallic belt. And he's telling Wyatt that the chopper is four minutes away. Now, Zwitek has audio. He has bugged the house. He knows that the chopper is four minutes away. So they are trying to catch these guys in a big drug deal. So Croc and Tubbs are waiting outside when they get a surprise. Private security rolls up with their lights and their sirens, and they ask Crockett and Tubbs what's going on. And they are about to book them when Crockett and Tubbs show their badges because a neighbor called on Crockett and Tubbs for being creeps and waiting around outside. Now, I get what she was trying to do because I have we've all been there, but at the end of the day, now their surveillance is ruined because the goons can obviously see the lights and the sirens outside this mansion. They know something's going on. So it is with this that they start flushing their drugs, hiding their stacks of money, and the copter comes to the compound. We see the sexy sax man, there's a gif of it uploading to Imager, signaling the chopper to get out of here. Now, in what is one of the most 80 scenes of all time. The chopper is above the water. We have a Metro Dade helicopter telling the chopper to land. The chopper opens a hatch and dumps, I believe it was 100 keys of cocaine in the water. And just the image of the cocaine coming out of the copter and how much it is. Oh my God. But yeah, for Zwitek and Crockett, everything, their entire plan is now ruined. Did not copy on the chopper. Can you repeat? Disregard. That song in the background is Jewel by Propaganda. I just moved a little bit further away from my mic. Every week, I always keep my mic at the same place. and But this week when I was listening back to what I recorded, I'm like, wow, I can just hear every single thing, every single breath. So I'm going to test it out this, this length. Now, I've been talking for 10 minutes already. I went off on that little tangent about my third life crisis. <laughs> One third life crisis. And I haven't even reached the cold opening. But yes, if you think just the outfit on Sexy Sax Man, we have a baby blue toilet with a gold faucet bidet right next to it. We've got some great mirrors, some great lights. And we got a house right on the bay that a helicopter can come in to deliver drugs or when they get spooked by the cops, dump it all out in the water. Now we are also on the water, but this time we're at the St. Vitus dance where Crockett and Teresa are in bed. She's reading something. She says she's done studying. I don't know. Maybe she was reading a journal or whatnot, a medical journal, because of course she's a doctor. That's the whole point of this episode. She's a doctor, 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 doctor. And Crockett is in 
shorts, a robe. I'm really looking at this. Uh, he's got some good legs on him, but he is working on some case files. He has video, oh, not videotapes. Oh my God, sorry, cassette tapes around. Um, then we really embrace the fact that it's 1986 because Wyatt, the guy that they're trying to book, they're trying to hold him on bond for about $70,000. But that's really low for a guy like this. This guy has money, as we can tell by his sexy sax man goons and his baby blue and gold faucet bidet. He's got money. He's right in the bay. So what else could $70,000 buy you in 1986? Would have bought a nice house in the country in England. Three trips to Florence. Mm-hmm. A CD player. <laughs> I wrote that down wrong. 700,000 versus 70,000. But a CD player, you also have to think that CD players are so obsolete now. I remember I bought one for $20. <laughs> I wanted like one of those little boom boxes. We were going to a festival. I was like, yeah, just to like play music outside. And everyone was like, and I just gave it to my um, kitchen staff at my old bar. Because I was like, why not? It has the radio on. It just, like, has something. $20. And this was 2015. So my car wasn't even a brand new car, and it didn't come with a CD player. And I was very, very despondent about that fact. So you have to imagine, this was when CD players were first taking off and how much they cost. Because I remember in The Wedding Singer, I think they mentioned that it cost, like, $700. $700 back then. So that would have been, like, what, $1,200, $1,100 today. I'm not doing the math on that one. But very funny. This is not the only mention of CDs in this episode, though. So let's go. As Sunny and Teresa are in bed, they're kind of joking around. She basically mentions that he was measuring her finger last time she slept over. He's kind of like brushing it off, brushing it off, and then he sees her take a pill for her back pain. Message! What's that? Oh, isn't your back again? No, I keep telling you, you've got to see a doctor. Look, love, the surgery was four years ago. It's chronic back pain. No mystery. Yeah, well, you're right. Besides, what the hell do doctors know anyway? I beg your pardon. So, once again, not to harp on her, but just look at the contrast when they're in bed together. So she was 20 when this episode came out. Don Johnson, about 36. However, Don Johnson enjoys a suntan and enjoys a cigarette. You could tell just, like, the stark difference. And Don Johnson also looks like a million bucks in this episode. I took so many pictures of him smiling, smiling, smiling. And he just looks so illuminating this episode. But they don't really have any chemistry. Like, I just don't buy it. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really trying. But I just could not get that much into this episode. Because while Don Johnson was doing a really good job, there's just nothing between them. And maybe, I'm not trying to harp on her for being British, but like a little bit of a base stand would have helped you out with being a little more believable of 
being in Miami. I guess that she's working inside all day and she's an ER doctor, so she's working nights. But I was like, honey, just a little something, a little rouge, as they say, <laughs> would help her. But this also makes sense. So she's taking pills for her back. She has back pain. Hmm. I wonder where this could escalate to. Not only that, the themes that they touch on in this episode, like they mentioned the word, I'm not even going to say it, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. But the fact that so much has remained the same within this amount of time, almost 40 years, is very sad with how pain is managed and treated, especially chronic pain. But let me get off on that tangent because we are getting back to the episode. I'm sorry, this episode is going to be like an hour and a half. I don't even know what is up with me. I. <laughs> it's not that I'm chatty. It's just, I don't know. I had to watch this episode a lot and I really wanted to like it. I always love the episodes that Crockett is in love, but yeah, this one just didn't do it for me. Now we see Teresa at work. Number one, she has a horrible bedside manner, which again, I don't know if they want to attribute to like, oh, she's British. Hello, I'm a British person. So I don't have a clip of it, but she's finishing up with a patient who I believe was stabbed and they luckily missed all the major organs. And he says, doc, am I going to die? And she's like, well, in about 50 years or so. And I'm like, I, I, she does another one that I do have a recording of. It's just the bedside manner here is horrible. And there's a reason why she is not the world's greatest doctor. But she gets a very interesting intake. I think that's what it's called. Triage intake. I don't know. Okay, I don't know what it's called. A patient she has to see. Uh, a severe headache at 2 in the morning. She's a little bewildered by this. What could this mean? However, when she gets in the room, she knows the gentleman who's sitting there. He is... Not a friend of hers, but an acquaintance. Now, his name is Rudy. He is also dealing because we see him pull out an envelope and she says, not here. Now, he has her in a little bit of a pickle. He wants her to get the address on the evidence report from Crockett's files and give it to him. She doesn't want to, but he threatens to expose her. It's an address written on the evidence report of any Miami Vice file. Forget it. Nah, I don't think so, muchacha. I started talking about where you've been and what you've been doing. The police, they're going to come down on your boyfriend and he's going to have to forget all about you. I can talk as loud as you can. Oh, come on. Hey, hey, look. Everybody knows who I am and what I've been doing. Hey, I don't think your rep can handle that. Hey, look, look, look. I ain't asking you to do nothing but to look over your boyfriend's shoulder, okay? It can save us both a lot of trouble. Also, I think the fact that the score is pretty dark and menacing, and I understand that it's, you know, to fit in with the thematic ideas of this episode. But yeah, like, even the score doesn't really do it for me for this episode. 
so she is in quite a pickle and she definitely pockets whatever was in that envelope that he gives her. Now, remember how Crocker was going to go to see Wyatt at court? Well, the day has come. Number one, Wyatt's outfit. This is the same guy who's the voice of Chucky. He was also in um, Tales of the Crypt because one of my coworkers. it was so funny I actually they put on Bride of Chucky or Child's Play at the bar last night and my coworker was like where is this guy from I'm like wow very interesting you should ask I just saw Miami Vice and I just looked this up and it was like bit parts bit parts bit parts like a lot of stuff that I recognize him from but I was like oh I think it's Tales of the Crypt and he's like yes I 100% remember that episode of Tales of the Crypt that he's from and he does have that look it's just like this menacing stare with the very light eyebrows and the very piercing, icy blue eyes. Like, I'm sure he's a very nice guy in real life. But the pins on this guy, it looks like it's a bird or a bee and maybe a zebra print jacket. Now, he's trying to play good citizen, and he says that he'll put his Biscayne Bay property up as collateral. But judge is not having any of that. Only, Your Honor, to remind the court that my client, in his eagerness to face these ludicrous charges, is willing to place his entire Biscayne Bay estate up for bond, valued at $1.8 million. Yes, which, according to what we've heard from the state, represents about one-fiftieth of the net worth of Mr. Wyatt. Motion denied. Mr. Wyatt will remain in custody until trial. Crockett gets a slight W because he called this when he was talking to Teresa. He knew that if he was going to get Bond, he would be peacing out. And furthermore, listen to how he pronounces where he thinks this guy's going to go. The Baron Kia. I also love that Crockett says, you win some and you win some. Now, over with Wyatt and his lawyer, there's a familiar face. The gentleman that we just saw in the hospital, Rudy, is talking to Wyatt. Now, Tubbs recognizes him. He recognizes him from New York as a bit player, and he's very curious as to what he's doing with Wyatt. They're on two very different ends of the spectrum in regards to their place on the illicit business hierarchy. So, interesting. Now, when we get back to the precinct at OCB, Tubbs tells Crockett that they share the same lawyer. Now, how could... Rudy, just kind of like a bit player dealer, be able to afford the same lawyer as Wyatt, as a guy who has $700,000 in his closet and who could afford to lose his Biscayne Bay property if he fled the country. How does that work? Hmm. Well, at the same time, Crockett wants to disregard that thought because he has something to show Tubbs. Yeah, I, I know it's a little small, but the, the stone is almost flawless. You act like you've never done this before. Well, actually, I haven't. When Caroline and I were getting married, I, I was so damn broke. We went for the plain gold band. She deserved better. I love how self-aware Crockett is, and he knows that Caroline deserved better, and that he just couldn't give her what she needed at the time. Now, as Crockett is making his way out the door, Tubbs gets a call saying that Crockett needs to stop by the evidence warehouse to drop off one of Wyatt's tapes. Now, when Crockett is driving towards the evidence warehouse. 
we see our sexy sax man. <laughs> I can't. I can't. This whole episode. Star of the episode. That's it. All right. Goodbye, guys. See you next week. My advice number one, new show. I cannot with this guy. I am so happy that they used him. And this was before Lost Boys was released. I'm going to double check this, but I'm pretty sure. So this is even better that he was cast before. Now, they show a piece of paper. They show something to the guard at the evidence warehouse. The guard takes it to the little booth. That's when our sexy sax man opens fire with an automatic gun, blows the guard to smithereens, and then shoots another one in the middle of the street. Goes to the evidence locker. They back up the truck get out of the way and by the time Crockett gets there in the Testarossa he sees the dead security guard and just in that time he watches the van blow up along with the evidence warehouse now this is really really awful for Crockett and for everybody involved sorry let's rephrase that awful for everybody involved everyone who lost their life and as well for Crockett because he wanted to propose to Teresa this night this was supposed to be a special night well Crockett's going to be doing a lot worse when he realizes that the address came from his case file. Whew. Boys found this out at the warehouse. God had it on his clipboard. It's a photostat copy from one of the pages of your case file. What? Who would have access to my case files? I don't know. But whoever it was must have used it to gain access to the warehouse. Ooh, there's that spooky score again. Now, Crockett knows 100% where this is going, and he knows exactly who got into his case files. So let's check in with her. Remember how I said that I don't know if this horrible bedside manner was just showing that she's maybe cranky because she's not getting high? Maybe that's just how they wanted to portray British people. But this is how she treats someone in the ER after a motorcycle accident. Next time, wear a helmet. Dr. I'm just going to um, put some special green on Now, unfortunately, I don't have subtitles on the Mill Creek Blu-rays. But I was like, sunscreen? I was like, what does she need sunscreen for? I think she meant like scrub screen. I don't know. Something. I was like, you don't need any more sunscreen moment. Put some baby oil on and go out with a big foil. <laughs> I forget what they're called, but you still have to tan with them. Uh, you shouldn't still be tanning with them. But you would put baby oil on and then you would have kind of like a foil folder and just kind of like bake in the heat. Too funny. So all the sun would reflect back on you. But she's actually in the bathroom shooting something. I'm assuming heroin in between her toes. She gets a knock on the door from one of the nurses. She says that she'll be out there in a few minutes. And yeah, this is not a good look. Now, if you're wondering why you shoot 
between your toes. It's so that you don't have any obvious track marks. This was also done in The Sopranos. This is like quite a popular pop cultural showing, just basically to show how people can hide an addiction that is usually able to be seen with physical markings of track marks, but you can hide it between your toes. Who Crockett is pissed, 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 and he has every right to be. I, oof, Team Crockett. Why, damn it. Why? I'm a drug addict. <laughs> I can't. Hello, I'm a British person. That deliver. I'm a, like, this whole episode is a little I, I just can't with that delivery of just like and then she says after after they're arguing for a bit and one of the nurses comes by opens the door he gets super pissed tells relief and she goes I'm a junkie and it's just it sounds so disingenuous and it's not even because of that accent it's just like I guess the whole point is that she's like a very self-aware addict. And she explained this a little bit more when Crockett basically yanks her to the hospital, takes her to the waterfront to get the whole truth and nothing but the truth from her. Surgeon who infused my vertebrae said that I'd have pain off and on, but didn't know how much. So I took codeine for about a year and then I went to Deloaded. When did you start shooting? When I got warned the deloaded scripts. Then I went on to fentanyl. Then I got another warning, so I went to the streets. That's why I've been getting the deloaded I've been taking when I'm with you. Did you let this happen? Look, I only do enough to get by. I don't party on it, and I don't overdo it. Overdo it? What is that supposed to be, some sort of consolation? No, I'm not like other drug users. I'm a cool drug user. That is basically her MO. And I understand that she was pushed to this because she had no other options. But yeah, it's just her like British of the delivery. Like, I only do enough to get by. And also, please note that she licks her lips. I'm trying to take a screenshot of every time she licks her lips. I don't know if that's supposed to be because she's fiending for drugs or she has dry, um, the guy on Chappelle show, she has those kind of lips. <laughs> too funny, too funny. All right, now let's move on. Crockett is in big trouble. All right, we are at the courthouse. Now, they, the press, really wants to know who the detective that was suspended because of the leak and name him. Now, luckily, they do not name him, but they have a little press conference. The guy looks super handsome. I want to say, what is his position? Oops. research time. Oh, he's a district attorney. So the DA, oh my God, I don't know how that was in my notes. So the DA gives a little press conference, basically saying that they're not going to name names. Now, one of the guys at IAD, he is always the bad guy and it's just because of his eyes. It's like the way his eyes look and his voice. I'm also surprised this guy doesn't do more voice acting because he has been in everything. He is just always the bad button-up guy in everything. 
you'll recognize this voice. Hey, correct. As of 0800, you aren't authorized to issue a parking ticket without my approval. So don't get any ideas. Does that mean I can't talk to my partner? I'm saying that all this rock and rolling is going to rain down pretty hard on your partner. You better stay clear unless you want to get wet. Hey, lighten up. All you got to do is flush the broad or think of something else to do besides uh, being a cop for a while, like the rest of your life. Huh? That's Crockett about to kick his butt. But yeah, you'll definitely, he is in Fight Club. He's in Tommy Boy. He's just like that evil button up guy. Now Crockett is visiting Teresa at the treatment center. I like that it's called Surfside Treatment Center. And of course, his Ferrari is parked outside. Now he is talking with one, I want to say maybe like the head counselor, one of the counselors, about what Teresa's future will look like and what kind of support system she needs. Sounds like Crockett is willing to put a lot on the line, but it also sounds like he is in over his head on this one. Professionals who've become addicts. Some programs up north specialize in dealing with health professionals. She won't get that here. Yeah, but she'll have me here. That's another discussion. Listen, Doc, uh, I realize that certain adjustments are going to have to be made. Enormous adjustments. Being undercover and out of touch for weeks at a time. And the counselor also does bring up a good point that he is getting paid to get close to the exact people that she needs to stay away from. So that is also a very interesting note that he's still going to be close to all these players And he's not involving her in that world, but it's still conflict of interest. So I think that was a very interesting point. And it is funny, the more I've been talking to a lot of people, you do not, I can't even fathom the industries that I hear that drug use is super rampant. Like, I remember when I heard that advertising was full of cocaine, I'm like, really? Like, I know it sounds so ignorant from someone who's only done it once in their life when they were 16, 17, and who works in an industry that is full of it. But I've been so blind. I have worked at places that are fronts for drug dealing and have had no idea. And I just kind of thought, like, that's just how it was. It was just like a very eclectic group of regulars who could never pay their bills and always gone to fights and never got 86. I was like, oh, okay. That's why. So I don't want to say I'm naive to it. I think I just don't realize. I didn't realize how big a thing it was until people I knew would do drugs, like get a dealer to do something like super banal, like go for drinks or like go to a bar. And I was like, oh, like I understand it's like a party or like a nightclub, but like, no, just like. I've walked in on parties of people just, like, sitting, doing coke at a table, like, very 80s. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I tried to be very cool and, you know, just be there without being there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I don't really... Like, being close to that world but not being part of it, like, you just... You're never going to be part of it. And people are always going to look at you weird. So I get it. I'm saying this as someone that works in industry where I don't drink or imbibe in the thing that I'm selling. And yeah, you're kind of like on the outskirts and you never really feel like you fit in and people don't really trust you. Or people, bosses trust you. Colleagues and peers do not trust you. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Bosses love that I will not get drunk on my shift. That is 
That is always a guarantee, but it's true. But other people, like your equals, they'll, they'll always kind of distrust you or they'll never, yeah. All right, let's, wow, okay, I'm sorry. This episode's going to be four hours long. I do apologize. Was there a guest star? Was there uh, anyone talk with me? No, just four hours of Marina just going off on tangents. Let's see how this gets edited down. Ah, then Crockett really wants to still do right by her. As Tubbs and Trudy shove Rudy's head into a toilet to get more information on how this address got leaked and led to the explosion. Now, Rudy is pleading up and down that he did not know that it would lead to this many deaths. He just had to get an address. He didn't know what was going about, going on. And Trudy looks like a million dollars. But after getting his head dunked in the toilet, giving a little bit of information to Tubbs, Tubbs leaves. Trudy blocks the door and gives us a great one-liner, as always. Call Crockett. Tell him to meet me at the car lot. Rico, he's on suspension. Call him anyway. Dry out, homeboy. Ha <laughs> ha! Dry out, homeboy. So... Tubbs and Zwitek in the van are going to speed over to the Carlisle to get close to the guy that bought the address in the information from Rudy. He is obviously going to be the conduit to all of this. Even though Crocus on suspension, he's going to come anyway. He's going to come in hot with the Testarossa. Now, this is even the funnier part. It's actually Tubbs and Zwitek that get there first. They see him shirtless obviously come on why would we waste that outside of the carlisle hotel he just fires a gun like they just call out to him and he just pulls his gun out and starts firing in broad daylight gives zero f's so as this chase starts where he steals a car and i was going to research the make and model and i guess i did everything else under the sun except look for this make and model i want to say maybe a camaro but beautiful baby blue car And they go on a little chase where he has a little quick U-turn to get out of a street that is blocked by a truck. Then, naturally, since it is the Carlisle right on on South Beach, right on Miami Beach, they get out. Sorry, he gets out as Crockett pulls up. And they're both basically, like, parked on the grass. And our sexy sax man walks into the road as two girls are driving in a super cute BMW convertible. Run him over. Now, here is a little continuity goof, if you can see on the gallery. So, we have the shirtless sexy sax man wearing a chain link chain around his wrist, which I appreciate. He gets hit by the car. Crockett comes to check on his pulse. And you can tell the sun is already set. Like, you can tell this is already, like, a very different take because you can tell the sky is all pink behind him. So I just thought that was funny. Those were subsequent scenes. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. And it's a shame because Arzola actually pulled that gun out on Crockett when Crockett wanted to make a deal with him to get more information. So, unfortunately, Arzola, sorry, or Sexy Saxman, I had to look up his name. is no longer with us. And that is a very cute BMW that he got hit by. I still cannot get over it. Now, 
Crockett wants to do right by Teresa. And I think he is really doing the most in this episode. He goes to go talk to the district attorney, the one that held the press conference, the one that he was working with previously when he was in court testifying against Wyatt and why Wyatt should not be released on bail. And he wants to use Teresa to get Wyatt and I don't mean use like set her up, but he wants to basically, in short, he already looks like a dirty cop. So he wants to capitalize on that. And he wants to be able to get closer to Wyatt in exchange for hoping that the district attorney can help Therese with her medical license. Um, again, I am no lawyer, nor am I a doctor, but I think the board that supervises medical licenses could not be swayed by the district attorney. Well, I hope not for everybody's sake, because that could be really, 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 really bad. Crockett will work with IAD, aka Internal Affairs, to get it approved. He goes back to the treatment center to talk to Teresa, and she's freaking out about her license. Then she mentions something that it's like, okay, take all this blame off Crockett, because it turns out Teresa's at three strikes. Two of those had nothing to do with Crockett. You don't have to prove anything to me. But, but look at what I'm doing to your life. And all I'm doing is dragging you down. Don't say that. Down. Don't say that. That's wrong. Well, I'm nothing. And I certainly won't be able to practice medicine again. You don't know that. Oh, come on, Sonny. I was arrested. hospital board have already been telephoning me and telling me they'd be discussing my suspension and that they suspend me they'll notify the state board and then what with my two warnings I'm gonna be suspended you yet. It hasn't and those two prior warnings were because she was taking drugs from the hospital to use herself so let's I don't want Crockett to feel as bad as he does because this is the wake-up call that she needed. Furthermore, I just cannot get over how posh this British accent is. I'm going to go find the clip where she's talking previously about sending money back home. And like, look, I understand <laughs> that it is very tough out there to immigrate to a new country. I immigrated to a country where I already had citizenship. However, with this accent... I don't really believe that she's sending money home to England. This is a very, very posh accent. And I am no expert, but this is doesn't really ring true of like a working class British accent. This is a very, very posh accent. We know that Helena Bonham Carter very much was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Let me try to find this clip. What is that supposed to be? Some sort of consolation? What the hell are you talking about? You're a junkie! Look, I tried to stop it, but I could not! I could not! I was doing double shifts to pay off my medical student loans. I was sending money home. People were needing me. I was doing my job. I had to do my job. I had to do it. I couldn't. And this is where I think either casting either or to have the character be from a different country or even just to have more of like a working class British accent might have paid off here. But like, I just can't take this seriously with like you know, 
very, very posh accent from a very posh woman. So, however, let's get back. Crockett and Castillo go talk with our favorite evildoer internal affairs guy, our favorite character actor who is always the bad guy in a suit. And he agrees to hand White over to Crockett. Then Crockett and Switek are listening to old depositions and old tapes. Now, once again, this is 1986. Listen to this. What do you want, CD quality? I'm working with 10-year-old depositions. (laughs) Just... Kids, ask your parents. Now, so if those depositions are 10 years old, that means that those depositions were recorded in 1976. And you can see by the reels and by the cassettes. I love it. Now, Crockett is talking to the doctor or to the woman that he met at the treatment center who we previously talked to about Teresa's future and her care. So she left rehab after, Teresa left rehab after getting a call from the medical board. She's nervous that they had bad news about her license and she was hoping to catch Crockett and was hoping that Teresa had met up with him after running away from treatment. Now, because Crockett has to make this meet with Wyatt, and he's wired, he's ready to go, Tubbs offers to look for her and make sure that she's safe. Unfortunately, she is not safe. She is in a car shooting up in broad daylight. She's not shooting into her toes. She is tying one off and shooting into her arm which seems like a little bit out of character, the whole thing. But maybe maybe I'm trying to think of if she had lost her medical license, what more is there for her to lose? And then so maybe she really just wants to go all in. That is a sad scene. It is a really sad scene. The fact that she's doing this in broad daylight and the windows open. I was like, girl, like, <laughs> I don't know. I get that it's Miami and it's hot, but at least like close the door and put the AC on. So Crockett goes to meet with Wyatt, and he plays the tape for Wyatt. Wyatt acknowledges the tape. Then he gets pissed. You come on to me, Joey Wyatt. I buy cops like you to clean up after my dogs. I'll cut your scagged out squeezes head off. You don't come on to me. Ooh, now keep in mind that's why Tech and Castillo are surveying. So once he hears Wyatt acknowledge the tape, he puts Metro on standby. Then Crockett asks for the same pay that Arzola got to blow up the warehouse. This is when Joey gets more pissed about Crockett trying to ask for $100,000. But he says that he'll pay Crockett $300 a week. And with that, the cops move in. However, at the same time, Tubbs calls Castillo to let him know that Teresa OD'd and that she's at county. Crockett is going to go off to visit her at the county at the hospital. While at court, Tubbs is going to step in for Crockett. Wyatt gets the book thrown at him, and it is amazing. Basically, the judge tells Wyatt's lawyer not to even bother trying to respond to anything. It is amazing. Wyatt gets the book thrown at him. Luckily, that is the one happy ending in this episode. Now, our favorite internal affairs guy gets shut down pretty hard by Tubbs in this next scene. A man of the hour, isn't he? We got other business. Look, uh, I feel like I owe him... A handshake. You want to give it to him for me? 
cocktail. And that's why the visual of him putting his hand out and Tubbs just kind of like giving him a once over and I'll tell him, love it. Love, love, love to see it. Now, this is where it's going to get a little bit sadder. We at least have one happy ending with Wyatt not being able to skirt out of what he's gotten himself into. Crockett goes to visit Teresa and he tells her that he has a plan for her. But however, that plan might not include Crockett. But more than anything else in the world, I want you to get well. And that's not going to happen here. You've got it all worked out, haven't you? Look, you don't want to see me anymore. Just say it. Teresa. <laughs> Teresa. Please, please, please. Try to understand. I do, I do, I do, I do. It does sound right. Oh, I'm gonna miss this. Now, this scene is really sad because it is what's best for Teresa and the best for Teresa being a drug treatment facility up in Hartford, Connecticut. So obviously they could no longer remain in Miami to see each other and he's doing what's best for her even though it's breaking his own heart. And I really love seeing the side of Croc and how caring he is. I know he's putting her needs above his. And if they had more chemistry, this would have been a tearjerker, but this was just like, okay. Now, this scene actually hit me a little bit harder. So Crockett is sitting alone in his car, similar place, because I get the blue lights kind of make it very similar, maybe it's the same spot, where he got the truth out of Teresa about her drug addiction. And he's just sitting in the car looking despondent, and he gets a call from Tubbs. Maybe I could just come by and uh, you and I can talk. No, I'm, I'm okay, really. I'll, uh, I'll call you tomorrow. Sure. That click at the end, like that dial tone just really broke my heart. And now I'm just going to veer off into a completely different section. Gina looks like a million dollars. She's wearing this purple belted dress. Her body is looking fantastic with this purple purse, fully coordinating, and she and Tubbs are going out for Chinese food. That's why Tubbs is still at the office calling Crockett. So this is also pretty sad, not only just seeing Crockett alone in his car, but he gets a radio in from Zwitek as he's looking at the engagement ring that he was saving to propose to Teresa with. Sonny, you got anything? It's all quiet on this side. Oh man, it's just so sad to just see him so despondent and all quiet on this side. Just like, he just, I can just sense that he, Crockett's just feeling empty. He's feeling sad. He's quiet. He misses his woman, but he's doing what's best for her. And then we end the episode. And with that, let's change 180 degrees and talk about fashion. fashion. Now, okay, maybe I'll do the boring stuff first and then we'll get to the fun stuff. So Crockett in that white blazer with the purple, I want to say like a lilac lavender undershirt. 
that is just so stereotypical Miami Vice. This is exactly what people think of when they dress up as either crocodile tubs or like, you know, stereotypical like 80s cop for Halloween parties. This is exactly what you think of. And he looks like a million dollars. I also really like the striped shirt unbuttoned and it's shiny. I want to say it's like a charcoal black and white stripe and he has the double holsters on and he's staring at Casillo and he just looks amazing amazing he just really pops his tan now I also really love tubs with the mint green shirt and the gray blazer but 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 in this episode I am going to put my wild card who you all know is going to be Arzola aka Sexy Sax Man as the best dress because I cannot get over the outfit that we are introduced to him with. The <laughs> the tank top that just shows off his pecs. I love it. This is everything I want in an 80s goon. Hired goons. Now, best dressed woman, naturally, I'm going to pick my girl Gina looking like a million bucks in purple, but I'm also going to mention Trudy's crop top when she's telling Rudy Ramos to dry off because it just she again looks like a million dollars Teresa again we don't really see her outside of work clothes when we does she just looks very dowdy so sorry girl <laughs> you're not making on to this <laughs> now with music we have two different songs we have Jewel by Propaganda like I mentioned in the beginning and then we also have Wasteland by the Mission UK when Zwitek and Tubbs and later Crockett are chasing Arzola now I just couldn't really vibe with either song that much. So I am going to give it to Jewel. But let's get into Vice Tea. Now our dear Helena Bonham Carter has homewrecked not just one time, but twice. So she actually homewrecked Kenneth Rana and Emma Thompson. And turns out like Emma Thompson was talking about this like not too not too long ago, which is how devastated it was. And also, in my mind, whenever I hear the name Kenneth Branagh, I automatically think of a nine-year-old man. He's actually, like, quite a handsome, tall ginger man. <laughs> like, I don't know why I've always thought this, whatever. I think because he was so well-known for doing so many adaptations of classics that I just figured he was a very old man. But no, he did um, Belfast last year. Like, that's not... He's not ancient. Like, he lived through the troubles. Uh, very handsome man. But, uh, yeah, homewrecking Emma Thompson. Then they were together for five years until 1999. Then she homewrecked Tim Burton and his then-girlfriend, I want to say 10 years, Lisa Marie. No, not Lisa Marie Presley. Her name, her acting name was Lisa Marie. I wasn't able to find out too much dirt on her, but I was able to find a little bit more about the homewrecking. Again, I am going to preface this by saying I'm not... I'm not not a Tim Burton fan. I'm not a Tim Burton super fan, which I know is very rare for women of my age in Los Angeles. Like, I don't have any Nightmare Before Christmas clothing or memes or anything like that. Like, I appreciate his work, but I'm not like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Helena Bottom Carter, honestly, was perfectly cast as Darla in Fight Club because she needed to look weird. She needed to look like a little strung out. And so that's why she actually could have done a little bit better in this episode because she could do it in Fight Club. Now, this story about them never actually living together but having a house connected by a bridge remember we all heard about this we're like oh wow what a cool interesting quirky couple okay the house in question was previously owned and leased by her family members 
So she inherited this house. Even if she bought the house, again, like, you're getting a pretty good deal. So it was like this big estate. So that's probably why she didn't want to have that bonded together with him in marriage, because she could risk losing it. I'm not sure what UK community property laws are in terms of divorce, but I think it has more to do with that than like, we're so quirky and cool. It's like, no, it's just old money wanting to keep old money. So again, could have done with a different actress in this role, but uh, yes, two home wreckings. <laughs> that is my little vice to of the deed. And uh, yeah, surprisingly, Kenneth Branagh, quite handsome, but however, everybody has a soft spot for Emma Thompson. And yeah, I didn't realize that when we have seen her in film being cheated on like in love actually like she did say that's what she was really going with when Kenneth Branagh left her for Helena Bonham Carter I forget what film they were all working on some like a British period piece obviously I want to say was it Mary Shelley it was Mary Shelley yes and of course and of course <laughs> this would be it I'm just trying to think of like the most British gossip I could think of but I couldn't really find any other tea. So the gentleman that plays Wyatt, like I said, he is the voice of Chucky. He just has that look, Tales of the Crypt Keeper. And it's funny that in this episode, both of the guest stars are just really cast based on their eyes. That's what I've noticed. Like Zach Grenier, who is always the button-up bad guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life. It's just he has those large eyes that just kind of like denote a sadness and like maybe like a an unflattering character flaw just like in the eyes especially because he does have like the big under eye circles and then Wyatt just has like those creepy eyes with no eyebrow <laughs> and again I'm, I couldn't find any like scalding vice tea on them online so I'm sure they're just totally normal and nice guys very cool nothing too out of the ordinary now as we wrap up this episode let's get to our favorite quote shall we what do you want? CD quality? I'm working with 10-year-old depositions. Can never get over that. It's just so 1986 that CDs were like the avant-garde technology. Now, this is my second favorite quote. You win some and you win some. <laughs> That is the energy I want to spread to each and every one of you this week. You win some and you win some, as opposed to homework. <laughs> you know what's funny? There was this blogger, uh, Lady Gossip, and she would always talk about how her mom warned her that you would get the face you deserved. And she was referencing about getting the face you deserve to Claire Danes, who at that time had started dating Billy Crudup after he left an eight-month pregnant Mary Louise Parker. Maybe she wasn't eight months, but she was far well along and it's hard for me but I am very old school like I um you don't trust a woman or you don't trust a man that sleeps with you don't trust anybody that sleeps and dates married people end of story so but you know what actually Helena Bottom Carter has aged much better than I thought but I guess you know when you stay out of the sun it really helps <laughs> except for Don Johnson I don't know how someone who has been just baking in the sun for 70 plus years still looks that good and with that we wrap up this episode of Vice and Easy just wanted to thank you all again for listening support, supporting subscribing telling your friends and following along again I will be taking a break in August I'll be enjoying a nice European break and I encourage you all to go to the link and watch the video for the Spotted Ox Hostel so you can all understand the one to half hour reference and with that i'll see you next week hey man miami wise is number one new show